Tech Sounds presents EduTrends. Uh, I'm uh, in uh, Washington, D.C., in the uh, World Bank, and I am visiting Robert Hawkins. Robert, thank you for receiving me. Jose, great to have you here. And we will be talking about technology, in particular technology in education. Mm -hmm. And uh, your work has been in um, technology in different developing countries. Why don't you tell us a little bit of your story? Um, sure. So uh, at the World Bank, uh, I am our global lead for technology and innovation. So I sit in uh, a global region. The bank is organized uh, in six regions. Um, and we support uh, clients and colleagues who are looking at ways in which to improve education through the use of, of technology. And we have uh, worked with uh, countries in every region, um, from issues to improving connectivity, to affordable devices, uh, to uh, uh, training teachers with technology, to developing uh, relevant uh, content and curriculum, to ways in which technology can change pedagogies, uh, to the assessment system. Uh, so we look at the whole range of ways in which uh, technology uh, impacts the improvement of uh, teaching and learning with a focus on uh, how students uh, can learn better and teachers can teach better. Great. And um, through this uh, journey, what have you learned? So a few, a few of the principles that, that we focus on is that, one, we really help ministries of education focus on what is their educational objective, not to get uh, caught up in the technology, uh, but to really look at why they want to invest in the technology and what is the educational outcome that they want to see as a result of that investment. Uh, we also help them think about a holistic approach uh, so that they think about these educational changes uh, by uh, assessing how it will impact uh, their curriculum, how it will impact their teacher training, how it will impact their incentive systems, and again with a focus on kind of the educational outcomes they want to see. So kind of this holistic approach is, is, is very important. Um, we also uh, are increasingly looking at the role of technology as a means of, of connectivity in the broadest sense, of helping ministries of education connect uh, in networks with other service providers, uh, other sources of information, other, uh, 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 other expertise uh, in their local ecosystem, in the national ecosystem, and the international ecosystem. Um, because introduction of technology uh, requires a range of skills, we often find that the capacity administrative education need to be augmented uh, through these types of partnerships with others in the ecosystem. So looking at ways in which technology can facilitate uh, this connectivity and this network. Um, there are some certain preconditions that we emphasize that you have to have electricity, uh, you have to have some basic level of connectivity, you have to have some devices. Um, but we try to work uh, with ministries with kind of their existing realities uh, and try to help them find kind of the best solutions. So that, that's one principle. The other principle, I'd say number two, is uh, the importance of teachers. I mean, teachers remain at the center of the educational process. Uh, education, uh, we believe, is a, is a, is a social endeavor, uh, an engagement between a teacher and learner. And we look at ways in which uh, technology can really empower teachers uh, and help them to improve uh, what they do best, which is uh, uh, teaching and supporting 
uh, youth to reach their potential. So things like ways in which technology can help reduce the administrative burden, uh, ways in which technology can um, help them to access uh, new and innovative ways of, of, of teaching, uh, ways in which technology can reduce isolation in the classroom and connect them with other sources of, of knowledge and expertise, um, ways in which uh, technology can help uh, to improve uh, capacity at scale uh, of teachers uh, through either distance uh, education or through virtual coaching, for instance, in a more one-to-one -one, uh, manner. And, and in some cases, the reality is such that there is a lack of teachers. Uh, there's, a, there's a teaching crisis uh, and ways in which technology can be used, uh, while not ideal, uh, to provide some content and learning to students where there, there aren't aren't teachers. But, but we really look at teachers as, as the center of, of, of the teaching and learning process. The, the third principle we really look at is um, education for all uh, and really trying to think through the design of education technology programs uh, starting with the, the least advantaged. Um, because if ministries of education can design for the poorest and the most challenged socioeconomic uh, areas of the country, it is easier to provide to the, the more uh, uh, well-off. Uh, so we really look at ways in which uh, we can help uh, countries to think about the design such that what, what it's designed will reach uh, all of the students in the country and can really be designed for scale uh, as opposed to a few pilots that might be only designed for a few well-off schools. Uh, the, the fourth principle that we tried to uh, implement is uh, looking at uh, openness, uh, transparency, interoperability. We have uh, many of our programs, uh, we have investments in uh, data infrastructure, for instance, in which the data doesn't speak to each other, uh, or, uh, or uh, a number of uh, learning systems uh, that are in silos, either within the Ministry of Education or in the, in the private sector that, again, don't talk to each other. So we're trying to look at kind of how we can work with ministries to think about uh, uh, open uh, digital infrastructure uh, that uh, they can then crowd in a number of service providers to build on top of, as opposed to kind of repeating uh, the same education stacks uh, through various investments. Um, so transparency and in procurement, interoperability of data, um, and, uh, and kind of open uh, infrastructure as possible. And then the last, the last one is, is we try to base as much as we can on evidence uh, and looking at kind of what, uh, what does the international evidence uh, show works, but there is a paucity of, of, of evidence. And one of the risks is that you don't get uh, uh, caught up with uh, evidence from one country and try to uh, make a judgment as to the effectiveness of, of that intervention in, in all countries. So we really try to help ministries become learning organizations to actually do more uh, evaluation, more assessment, uh, and try to uh, collect data uh, in real time uh, to make uh, iterative uh, adjustments to their programs. Uh, and this is a real challenge because it's a change of, of culture and it uh, implies that there is the data available to make these decisions. But that's, that's a direction we're trying to, to, to go in. So, so you, you work uh, at very different levels from infrastructure, um, public policies, uh, teachers, uh, students, mm -hmm. um, in, in very different countries also. So yeah. uh, maybe it would be nice if you can tell us um, an experience on one country that uh, will be uh, a successful experience in, in uh, any of these levels. 
Sure. No, no. I think I think um, I think you can point to the uh, Plan Ceval uh, project uh, in Colombia, which was one of the and in, in Uruguay rather, which was one of the first to introduce the, uh, the the one laptop, and they they applied this principle of starting in in the lower uh, socioeconomic uh, schools in the periphery in the rural areas, and then building in towards the center of uh, Montevideo. They worked uh, with uh, private sector uh, implementers uh, together with the Ministry of Education. Uh, to, uh, to to bring the technology uh, uh, to, to 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 the students. Um, so I think that is kind of one kind of good international example of, of how you can implement a, a one-to-one program. Uh, there have been really interesting cases, um, uh, interesting impact evaluation in India uh, of the use of adaptive learning uh, software. One of the big challenges we have uh, in all of our countries is that students are uh, in classes. Uh, uh, with knowledge uh, at a lower grade level. So they might be in seventh grade math, but their math knowledge is a fourth grade math level. So they're sitting in classes and really don't understand what the teacher is teaching them. The teacher is kind of teaching to the class and, and not able to adjust to his or her teaching to the individual. And many students uh, get lost uh, and many drop out. Um, in many of our countries, uh, we have very high dropouts, particularly at the, uh, at, the, at the lower secondary level. So we've done a few pilots in India, in the Dominican Republic, uh, using adaptive learning software uh, to see to what extent uh, it can help students to get back up to grade level so that they're in class. Uh, very positive uh, impact evaluation in India, and some positive results in the Dominican Republic. But again, all of these all of these implementations really depend on the fidelity of the implementation, and uh, it's difficult to draw um, kind of blanket conclusions. Um, but uh, it, it is promising to address that specific uh, issue. Mm-hmm. Um, we've also found uh, kind of interesting evidence on virtual coaching in South Africa, uh, being able to connect uh, teachers with their peers in a virtual environment and a virtual network to support them in the classroom just in time uh, with challenges they have with their their pedagogy. Uh, We're working uh, in India with uh, a foundation called XSTEP, and they have developed an open source digital learning platform. Uh, We're working in uh, Costa Rica and Peru, uh, where they're looking at investments uh, in uh, educational platforms and portals, and looking at ways in which we can look at uh, the experience of, of India, which is a, a kind of a microservices uh, architecture, uh, such that you have kind of an open uh, base layer at the bottom of the st- stack uh, for um, uh, for educational platforms, uh, and then you're able to, at a, in a modular fashion, uh, procure and include uh, various components, whether it's an assessment system or a content system or a specific uh, 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 kind of grade level um, uh, learning uh, learning learning management module. For instance. Um, so this is kind of something that we're just starting now that uh, I think is, is it will be very interesting to, to follow and, and see to what extent uh, we're able to provide uh, a much more flexible approach to uh, uh, learning infrastructure and, and, the, and the data that, that surrounds it. Is there so- something that uh, you can share uh, where uh, you have learned from failure, from things that oh, have yeah. happened? And- no, no, absolutely. I think we've, we've had a lot of failures. Uh, uh, I think uh, just dropping 
technology into a country and, and hoping that magic happens doesn't happen. You have to really have a holistic approach. You have to look at uh, the impact the technology will have uh, on uh, the teachers, uh, ensure that the teachers are well trained to use the technology, uh, make sure that the curriculum is aligned with the technology, and as I mentioned at the beginning, make sure that the educational objectives uh, are, are very clear. Um, we've also had challenges uh, in terms of in, in investing in um, uh, various educational management information systems. Uh, in some of our countries, there are 84 some odd different systems that don't talk to each other. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is kind of why this open digital infrastructure piece uh, is an intriguing potential uh, solution to that problem. Um, and uh, we've also had instances where because the teachers weren't trained or there wasn't the incentives uh, aligned uh, investments in the infrastructure have, have gone unused. Um, because the teachers haven't been trained, there's a kind of a fear of, of using the technology. Technology sits locked up in, in computer labs. So there's a lot of lessons that, uh, that we've, we've gone through and can learn from. Sure. Uh, I, I have uh, heard this um, question uh, before, and I'd like to ask you, as this is the area of your expertise, um, uh, for instance, in Mexico, in some uh, rural communities that um, have access to a teacher that is not necessarily the best teacher that you can have in terms of training. Uh, in those cases, uh, what will be the parameters to decide if you invest in teacher training or in technology or both? Well, I mean, I think you have to do both. Um, you know, there there's a, a, a project uh, that's been rolled out in Africa called the Bridge Academies, and, and, and they um, they have kind of uh, scripted uh, lesson plans, which is, is is somewhat controversial. But by the same token, giving teachers kind of a playbook, particularly teachers that might not have uh, deep content knowledge. Uh, in electronic format and being able to kind of monitor their progress through uh, a, a more scripted lesson uh, in some cases uh, can be beneficial and can be a way to um, provide uh, a little bit more uh, comfort and support to a teacher who might be uh, weak in a specific content uh, area. Um, uh, I also think that uh, the, the experiences around virtual coaching and, and creating this culture amongst teachers to um, be able to uh, be open with kind of how they're teaching and be open to new ideas uh, and not be kind of afraid of anybody looking in their closed classroom uh, is another kind of example of, of ways in which to use technology to uh, kind of support uh, uh, teachers where they might have some weaknesses. And uh, when you were talking about uh, adaptive learning, uh, those systems are based on artificial intelligence. Yes. Um, typically, that. those systems are um, still very expensive. Uh, what kind of uh, findings you found? Uh, you, you got in your pilot uh, around um, the cost benefit of using those systems? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I mean, one area in general of evaluation is 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 the costs of of, of all of these in interventions, and it's difficult to determine uh, kind of what is the uh, uh, what is the comparator that you're you're, you're measuring, because in, in many cases it's a it's a it's a different uh, pedagogy, different methodology, and, and different benefits. Um, and the 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 good thing though about uh, about kind of 
digital content as the costs are, are, are always going down. And the biggest challenge is kind of the working through of the, uh, the rule set or the algorithms that are, are in place from uh, the various providers of adaptive uh, learning software uh, such that you're, you, you kind of understand kind of what, what, what are the, uh, the parameters under which uh, uh, students are being assessed and measured and provided uh, additional uh, content. Uh, specifically, I'd have to go back and kind of look at kind of what were the costs and, and what was the analysis in that specific project. Um, but uh, I think in, in the overall trend of, of, of costs coming down, of data being ubiquitous, um, is something that I think is, uh, is uh, an area of opportunity uh, if um, ministries of education can think about policies to kind of uh, open up infrastructure and allow for, um, for service providers to, uh, to kind of more, ap uh, more readily uh, build solutions on top of a common infrastructure that might reduce some of these costs. But there's no uh, system um, like an uh, ERP uh, for uh, educational systems, no, the, 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 that doesn't exist. No, there are. Yeah, yeah, no, there, 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 there are, there are uh, education management information systems. Um, is that what you re refer to? At, at, at the Ministry of Education level? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. I, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, um, well, uh, but these, I mean, so these, these, these systems are, uh, as I said, uh, in many cases, uh, not communicating with each other. In many cases are are siloed in various departments. Uh, and one of the challenges, I think, is more political than technological and human in terms of uh, having leadership of the ministry to, uh, uh, to encourage the various departments to share information and to collaborate mm -hmm. uh, uh, across the ministry. Okay, it's more, it's more a question of um, um, boundaries or territories. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's usually a challenge of, of more the, the human factor than the technical. So the possibilities of uh, going um, uh, to open data, to crowdsource uh, findings on those data, it's still very far? It's still very far, far uh, to, away? To, to use, yes, uh, far away to uh, the, the possibility of uh, having a Ministry of Education opening uh, anonymized data uh, to the public so that you can look for uh... yeah no I think I think I think we're moving in that direction but yeah it's still I mean the vast majority of our uh, clients um, uh, do, do not have uh, the ability to um, to provide clean uh, reliable data sets uh, to the public there are some cases um, in Paraguay where they have uh, implemented open data uh, and they have opened some of their data and researchers from universities have used that data to create uh, various applications. Um, and in India, uh, with uh, the example of, of the XSTEP Foundation supporting states to develop uh, a teacher platform, uh, there is a greater uh, ability to track data and use of specific learning objects uh, across the system. Um, so I think we're getting there, but there's still a ways to go. Okay. Um, I, I know there's no uh, silver bullet uh, for uh, these kind of uh, technology implementations in, in a uh, developing country. But if you had the possibility of saying these are the three most important things that you have to take into account. 
Yeah, I mean, I would say I would say the 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 the, the principles. I mean, one is, is 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 make sure that you have clear your education objective. Make sure that you have a clear understanding of a holistic approach uh, and the ecosystem to support that approach, and make sure that you have a, a culture of of learning and, and evidence gathering and data to be able to uh, iterate rapidly and, and improve on your implementation. Okay. Yeah. So your work is mainly on uh, K twelve. Uh, no, no. We we, we we also do uh, some work at at, at the university level. Um, we're now starting a pilot with um, a number of universities in Colombia, for instance, uh, looking at the challenge of um, development of relevant skills. Uh, so we, we're spending some time to identify kind of what are the 21st century socio-emotional skills that are of interest to universities, uh, how you define these skills like creativity, problem solving, collaboration, teamwork, uh, how you operationalize them and integrate them into a curriculum, uh, how you assess them. Uh, and we're also looking at um, a program also in Colombia that is a conditional cash transfer uh, program that is a, called Jóvenes en Acción. It's incentivizing students uh, in um, uh, lower socioeconomic uh, uh, classes to uh, enroll in skill building programs, stay in those programs, graduate, and presumably develop some skills. And they transfer uh, uh, resources in the form of cash and, and other incentives to the students to do that. And we're looking at um, a, a blockchain model uh, in order to, uh, one, be able to have much more clarity and transparency on the traceability of those funds as they move from either a donor account or a government account all the way down to the end user, uh, and also to define upfront in code kind of what are the results that uh, we want to see from that so that uh, it's very clear uh, when students take certain actions, uh, they get dispersed uh, resources in the form of, of tokens, but those results are, are, are very clear uh, in code. Up front. So this is a new pilot that we're trying to kind of solve these two challenges of transparency of disbursement of funds and defining upfront and measuring uh, through uh, 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 an educational platform the results that uh, that our clients want to see uh, with with students. Um, we. In the, in, in the World Bank, we have uh, our education portfolio. I think it's 70 some odd percent of our projects are, are results-based financing. So we, we, we disperse based on results as opposed to inputs. But about a third of that goes to this process of validation that the results have taken place. So there could be enormous cost savings uh, in this specific instance using technology uh, to be able to identify these results up front. So that's kind of one example at the university mm -hmm. level uh, mm -hmm. that we'll, we're, we're working on now. Uh, actually starting the project now. And, and these um, um, com competencies that have, have been developed are not being developed, not necessarily using technology. They are, um, are part of the, just part of the curriculum. The, the uh, technologies and the blockchain and the, it, uh, it, it, the possibility to track. Uh, exactly, but, but, but there is a, a, a technical component. So, you know, um, you know uh, being able to uh, um, as part of collaboration, being able to use technology to network with others, um, kind of the uh, the information reasoning, being able to go out and, and do research and find good information and, and bad information. Um, so when we look at kind of digital skills, we look at your just basic literacy. Can you work with a computer? We look at some of the value added. Can you use technology to do marketing, for instance, mm -hmm. some of the value-added services, which could be kind of entrepreneurial as well. Then there's kind of the harder core 
technical skills, the coding, the systems uh, management. Uh, and then there's kind of a transversal use of, of these softer skills uh, through the use of technology and how you might develop some of these skills. And actually, in a lot of our countries, uh, this is a, an area where the private sector is looking at kind of how uh, education systems can produce more of these types of these softer skills, these 21st century skills, and, and education systems are trying to think through, okay, well, what, how do I define these and how do I actually teach them? So. Yes, and there, there's a, um, a huge gap in uh, uh, where you, uh, there's a McKinsey study where uh, uh, when you ask um, uh, university people what, how they think that they prepare their, uh, how well prepared they are for the uh, workplace in terms of uh, this more horizontal skills yes. uh, for the workplace. Uh, uh, people that work in universities think that they are doing a good job, yeah. uh, but when they are just the employers or even the, the alumni, yeah. uh, it's almost the opposite, now from 70% to 30%. So the difference is huge. Yes. Uh, so uh, people are thinking that they're doing a good job. And um, in, in the future, we see that people will be changing faster uh, from jobs. Um, this will be also a product of technology because technology can be um, um, automatizing uh, some employers' employments. So uh, what will be the possibilities of using technology mm -hmm. to help people uh, to move forward and reinvent themselves? Yeah, no, I mean, I think certainly technology will destroy jobs, but it'll also create jobs. So I think this is definitely uh, a lesson and probably part of the reason why uh, uh, companies are increasingly looking at the softer skills, which kind of allow students to kind of think more creatively, to reinvent themselves, to uh, be more prepared for lifelong learning. Um, and, and, and I think that uh, there are some examples of, of kind of job matching, of being able to kind of identify skills that students have. Um, and uh, skills that, that uh, the uh, employers need and do have technology play a role in, in kind of this uh, marketplace of, 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 of talent uh, in a number of, of, of countries. Um, I also think that um, there's probably going to be an expanded opportunity for non-formal education and, and for um, you know, coding boot camps, uh, for micro-credentials, uh, where universities will probably have to be a little bit more flexible in, in the way they think about uh, developing talent. Definitely. I, I think that in universities, um, lifelong learning is like a second class, uh, I would say, business if yeah. compared to the degree. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that situation should change. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree that there's a there's a huge market that will be out there of, of individuals, no matter what age, that are going to need to continuously uh, learn and reinvent and uh, kind of find their passion and uh, figure out kind of uh, uh, what skills they might lack and what skills they might need to uh, to, to find some employment. Um, and I think kind of uh, uh, helping individuals really find what they're interested in, youth particularly, uh, and combine different uh, different skills. So it's not just uh, not just accounting, but it could be accounting and I don't know uh, and uh, kind of water management or whatever it might be, such that uh, uh, students are able to combine disparate skills uh, to to uh, kind of make themselves more unique in the marketplace.
more yes um, uh, and uh, more cross-skilling uh, yeah. uh, combining skills exactly okay uh, so uh, we are um, arriving to the end of the, this uh, talk and uh, I was uh, thinking more on the uh, on the teacher uh, it can be whatever a teacher from k-12 or a university teacher and uh, if you would like to make a recommendation on how to use technology in their classrooms what sure. will be your recommendation sure I mean I I, I think uh, number one is to uh, find ways in which you can use the technology to kind of build a, a deeper human connection uh, with 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 your student uh, so it might be uh, finding ways to kind of uh, free up time for yourself to spend more time with the student uh, it might be a, a case of uh, kind of the idea of the flipped classroom which I frankly have, have, have not seen uh, uh, it's talked about a lot but I haven't really seen a lot of good examples but you know the idea of, of being able to spend more one-on-one -on -one time with students or, or groups of students uh, being able to connect your students with expertise uh, kind of outside of the classroom uh, being able to use technology to maybe even get your students out of the classroom uh, and kind of see real-world examples so I think it's really up to the teacher to kind of identify what his or her passions are, what his or her constraints are, and ways in which they can use technology to build deeper connections with students and their community. Well, thank you very much, Robert. No, no, thank you. It's been great. For more information, visit observatory.tech.mx slash podcast. Thanks to Tecnológico de Monterrey and the Tech Sounds team. Tech Sounds producer, Miguel Mejia. Edutrends producer, Esteban Venegas and Christian Guijosa. Post-production, Max Perez. Stay tuned for the next episode of Edutrends and visit Tech Sounds in your favorite podcast app for other great shows and content. <laughs>